Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 37. Our guest this week is Mitch Fuller of the Texas VFW. How's everybody doing this week? How are y'all? Fantastic. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. You're coming in loud and clear. Oh, can you hear me? I can. You guys are coming in loud and clear also. Awesome. So it has been another wonderful week since we... We always have a wonderful guest every week. I don't think we've ever had a disappointing week here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. And it's going to be another beautiful week yet again. Because we're having beautiful weather, despite it. It's, uh, it's becoming pretty hot pretty quick. You're in, a, you're in Leander, Mitch? I'm ex- I, yeah, I, I'm actually in Hutto, uh, okay. eastern, eastern Williamson County. But I'm the commander of the VFW post in Leander. So I'm all over Williamson County. So I, my office for the Texas VFW is in Austin. So cover a lot of ground so i get to deal with i-35 every day that's that's awesome oh me too that's that's such a treasure a texas awesome. treasure awesome yeah you're say <laughs> hutto that's that's on 79 going out towards uh taylor correct it, it is i live i live by sh 130 kind of where hutto round rock and pflugerville kind of come together right by the tollway star ranch nice. star ranch area the, the golf course and it's a it's a rapidly growing area i mean traffic is evidenced by traffic every day where, uh, where we all live, Austin or the suburbs. Mm-hmm. That's so, not unique to Austin either. It's up in right. the FW Metroplex in Houston. It's, it's oh yeah. So, right. so so tell us tell us about your background, Mitch. Well, um, start off with your military <laughs> career. Tell us what you did. I was uh, I'm a veteran of the Iraq uh, the Iraq War. So most of my time uh, in the Army was with the Texas Army National Guard. So in the Army, we all you know if you, if you deploy to combat. Your right shoulder patch, your combat patch is the is your right shoulder patch. And so mine is the 36th Infantry Division of the Texas Army National Guard, and that was in 2005. Uh, I was a brigade uh, S-1 adjutant staff officer in Iraq, and I was enlisted before I got commissioned. So I joined the military late, 28 when I enlisted as a college graduate, knowing I was going to go to graduate school. And frankly, I did it to sort of continue the military tradition in my family. My grandfather was a World War II veteran. My father was a Vietnam veteran, both Army. Um, and I met my uh, company commander at my first Army Reserve drill and said, man, if that guy can be an officer, I sure can. So uh, I crossed over to the dark side. So I was unique, a 32-year-old second lieutenant prior enlisted, and uh, I'm proud of that. I think you make a better officer if you're enlisted first. So did some short tours in Korea and Kosovo uh, during my time, some TDY trips, but a year in Iraq um, in 2005. <clears throat> and uh, that's kind of where that's at. And I've been active in the VFW about the past five or six years and started working full time March of 2021, right in the middle of the legislative session as the full time director of government and public affairs for the Texas VFW. So I'm also our national legislative uh, chairman. So work federal, state. Uh, all of the, all of those issues, and there's so many issues, uh, you know, that are relevant uh, right now. We we are the most important piece of federal legislation that we're looking at right now is the uh, is HR 3967, the PACT Act, which is the Comprehensive Toxic Exposure Legislation that passed the U.S. House of Representatives in early March, and we're fighting like hell to get that through the U.S. Senate. So the presumed, you know, all the presumed conditions, uh, all of us who've been, you know, served in the desert. Um, the theaters of the global war on terrorism 
this is the most important piece of federal VA legislation in at least 30 years. So engaged with that. And obviously, you know, I know the, the, the topic and reason for this conversation, Jesse, and I'm honored to be on this podcast with you is, uh, is cannabis. And it's a, it's a, it's a legislative priority nationally for the VFW and here in Texas, uh, as you and I both have talked about at length, you know, with, uh, since we met at the, during the session and at that awesome conference in Colleen a few weeks ago. And I didn't, I didn't know just how quite involved the VFW was with cannabis until the Delta eight case came up and you were one of the witnesses that had to come and testify. And I was like, Oh, I had no clue that there was this much involvement. Like the fact that y'all even were selling Delta eight out of your post. Right. We absolutely. And, you know, Jesse, as you and I've talked about this is, it's a no brainer for us. The, the, the pharmaceutical regimen that the VA is unfortunately very effective at giving our brothers and sisters is not working anymore. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's just not working. And, uh, cannabis in, in all forms, you know, hemp based Delta eight derivative, uh, all of that. And we were honored to get involved with that. And as you said, I did testify on behalf of the Texas VFW in that lawsuit, uh, at the Travis County district court level and, uh, the Travis County district court ruled in favor of the hemp industry. And we've been told that we are, you know, our, the VFW, our, our participation, our weight, our testimony uh, was was very valuable uh, for that. And the third court of appeals upheld the, the district court uh, ruling that Delta Eight is legal, and the Texas Supreme Court uh, affirmed that in December. So that was a fast track, uh, kind of mid October through early December. And frankly, it was ang- it was extremely angering how how that how that all came about with with the lawsuit because you fight these battles in the legislative arena. If you want to try to make something legal or illegal, you, you fight this. You fight that fight in a legislature or, in, you know, at the federal level in Congress. Uh, you know what the Department of State Health Services in the state of Texas tried to do was just to just to say it was it was illegal. Add hemp back on the controlled substances list in Texas. Very flawed process, and it was it was it, the, the attempt was for it to be done through administ- the administrative rule process. And, uh, COVID, you know, this all initiated during COVID in the fall of 2020. I don't know about you guys, but I don't spend a lot of time watching the Texas Register for you know, notifications of commission hearings, especially in the middle of COVID. So it was a flawed, non-transparent process that started in the fall of 2020. There was a bill introduced in the spring of 2021 to try to make Delta 8 illegal. That failed. It did not pass the House. Uh, and then so the attempt was made, well, we'll just make it illegal and we'll just go there. And, and you know, the hemp industry a lot of other interests uh, sued uh, in court, and we were honored to participate in that. And we have a great relationship with that. Like, like you said, Jesse, we have in my post, and there are now other VFW posts in Texas. By the way, there are 286 VFW posts in Texas all, all over the state. Uh, I'm not sure what the number is, but it's several that have a, a machine, a Delta eight machine in their post. And so that, that those contracts, anytime a post has a contract with a third party, the department of Texas PFW approves that. So my post has a machine and we put that machine in, in September, uh, before the whole world found out Texas is trying to make it illegal, which was mind boggling. So obviously the VFW, we're not going to do anything illegal. It's, it was legal. And then and suddenly they said, it's not legal. Well, we just got to, we just put a machine in here. We just got a license from the state. Since when has this been so frustrating, none to say the least with, with this. So we're honored to stand with them and we will be in 
the fight with them. This kind of remains in the court system uh, for now, and we're prepared to play defense uh, in the next legislative session with Delta A and other cannabis, other cannabis policy. We're going to weigh in on as well. Austin? Oh no, I'm just I, I I'm excited because we we have we need more allies at the Capitol. We need more people who are um, willing to use their voice uh, and especially those of influence uh, at the Capitol and to, to really amplify the message of, of how important this is. And so um, as people, you know, Jesse and I have been, you know, at the legislature for, for now a few sessions and, and just seeing how that machine works is, is crazy. And we need, we need people like you, Mitch. We need people like Jesse and I and, and other many vested um, community members. So uh, thank you so much for for stepping forward and being being a figure by which um, this this message can continue forward, especially in the veteran community, because it's it's definitely very important for us. Well, uh, awesome. You're welcome. It's an easy thing for us to do. Uh, it's 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 a I personally use Delta A products myself. So, and I think you both know uh, when you go to the legislature and you testify, I mean, we can, we can have the policy discussions and all of that, but the personal stories resonate. They always do. Um, And it's, it's a hell of a lot better to use cannabis to treat PTSD or pain or stress or anxiety than it is to take seven pills or eight, you know, eight, eight pills. So, you know, the VA is very good. Here's four pills for your pain. Here's three pills for your anxiety and your PTSD. Hey, by the way, we got two more waiting back here when your kidneys fail and the side effects of the seven that you're taking. And it's just a, it's just a, you know, an awful one. And thankfully I personally don't have to deal with that, but, but I know, and we all do, we all know so many of our brothers and sisters. I've personally been through it and I've who did. Yeah. Yeah. You, Jesse, you've, you've told me part of your story. I've heard part. Yeah. So, and it's, I've, I've talked about at the VA myself to other patients that the way they do mental health is like trying to find out which breaker flipped on your house when the light goes (laughs) off and you're just running back. Did this fix it? No. How about this one? Did this fix it? No. How about that one? Great analogy. Jesse, that's a, that's a great analogy. It's like they're checking boxes or checking break. I love that. Analogy. I'm going to steal that. Checking breakers. No, that didn't work. Still good. Still doesn't work. Okay. And, and sadly, yeah. oh, yeah, that one worked. Turned everything yeah. else off. And sadly, yeah. it gets to a point where they put you on so much stuff. It's like they flipped all the breakers off and you're just, you're just this well, comatose drooling monster. Well, a good, a good VFW comrade, a good friend of mine from my post, a past commander of my post, a past district commander. And he's a, He's a uh, state officer in the NRB, in our, the Texas VFW. So he's he's a what we call a deputy state inspector, and, and that's a, that's an appointment from the state commander that helps take care of posts. And so it's a it's important. David, you know, his name's Dave Wallace, public record. I'm not sure anything. It's because he he testified on his own behalf in this lawsuit at the Travis County District Court. So there were two of us, me on behalf of the Texas VFW, and I got to wear this, and it was a virtual hearing, and I asked the judge, you know. Jesse, you've seen me. Every time I'm at the Capitol, if I'm testifying, I'm, I'm wearing our cover. When our national commander-in-chief testifies before Congress, he's wearing this cover. This cover resonates. It sends a message. and we That's why we're always wearing it. And my friend Dave Walden testified and told his story uh, in this lawsuit. He says, look, I'm high-functioning because of Delta 8, because of, because of cannabis and the VA 
Dave was in a in the pharmaceutical fog, and he told his story. And and six seven years ago, his his wife at the time found him a block and a half, two blocks away from their house with his cane at the ready. Uh, so Dave was in a fog. He was in a pharmaceutical fog. Um, and he's he's you know got a great job now. He's an IT guy, highly paid, highly skilled. And he talked about, hey, I'm highly I'm high functioning. Uh, so his ex-wife found him with his cane at the ready. And all of us in the military know that's your weapon at the ready. So he's walking down the street in a fog thinking he's on patrol, you know, with his cane. And that's because of the, you know, all of the drugs. And, and Dave was severely wounded in Afghanistan. He did Iraq and Afghanistan. So, you know, those type of stories resonate. And when we tell those stories, it adds weight. And, and, and our issues, our veterans issues, there's bipartisan support. And Jesse, we saw that. You know, kudos to Brad Buckley, State Representative Brad Buckley, who was at that, that uh, Texas Veterans Medical you know, Conference that we spoke at. I see bipartisan support for our issues, and I wish there was more of it in Washington. Uh, for our issues in Austin, I, I saw a lot of it, and I know you both have uh, as well. I just think we've got to really focus on what we really need. And we also have to demonstrate our value, too. And that's a whole nother sort of conversation. I was talking to somebody else about this today. You know, there's a little bit of veterans fatigue in the state capitol overall. Hell, there's 150 veterans license plates, military license plates in Texas. I think we're done with those. That's just a personal opinion. We talked about that. Me and you did at the the conference. It's like they just throw us these weird bones like, hey, um, we'll take we'll take this toll road toll away for you. And, that you know, the toll road you probably barely use already. Right. Uh, you know, free st- we we got to quit because it's a distraction. And I, I and I and I really want to give a shout out. Uh, the, the as you both know, the, the interim charges are out for both both houses, the Senate and the, and the House. And both committees have met. The House Veterans Affairs Committee met jointly with Homeland Security and they focused on the border mission. Uh, the Texas Army, the Texas military forces, that that mission. Um, but the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee had a fantastic hearing last week with their four interim charges. And two of them are mental health related. Uh, one of them is about alternative treatments. Medical cannabis came up a little bit, um, but alternative therapy and uh, House Bill 1802, which is uh, State Representative Dominguez's bill that Senator Campbell carried in the Senate, and that's using MDMA to study uh, PTSD. Governor Perry brought that forth. And that was a great example of bipartisanship. But they focused on transition. I'm going to be on a conference call with Dow next week and helping them connect to Fort Hood and talking about that transition and jobs. Um, we're going to advocate for two more state veteran cemeteries, too. So not ask, you know, free stuff. Not all of us, um, yeah. you know, need something. Uh, but the veterans transition piece and access to the absolute best pathway because everybody's different. Cannabis isn't going to work for everybody. I, my post hosts a spiritually based PTSD peer to peer support group. That's not going to work for everybody. It works for the my, our brothers and sisters who, you know, who go to that. It's more than just here's pills. Sometimes it's therapy. Sometimes it's cannabis. Sometimes it's, it's ketamine. That's something else we're working on. Uh, ketamine is an alternative treatment. <clears throat> well, we're gonna. We got to go into a sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. We'll be right back shortly afterwards. We got to get some sponsor messages out, people to help us do the things that we do here in the state. And we we're, we appreciate that. Our guest this week is Mitch Fuller. 
This is episode 37 of the Lone Star Collective podcast. We will be right back after these sponsor messages. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Broadcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Austinite Cannabis Company is an Austin, Texas, locally owned and family operated producer and seller of handcrafted cannabis products such as CBD, CBG, CBN, and Delta 8 made from hemp in Austin, Texas. Their selection of products includes beauty products, concentrates, edibles, merch, pet supplies, pre-rolls, tinctures, topicals, and accessories. For more information, visit austinitecannabis.co or you can visit their storefront location at 2009 East Cesar Chavez Street in Austin, Texas. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. I'm your masters of war. Here that build the big guns Here that build the death planes Here that build all the bombs Here that hide behind walls Here that hide behind discs Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 37. Our guest this week is Mitch Fuller of the Texas VFW. We've been having a wonderful little discussion here about Delta 8, things happening with the legislature. It's To me, it's insane that we talk about that hearing, is that they have this hearing, DSHS claimed that they had, where it didn't last very long, and supposedly they... Somehow in that meeting, they must have reviewed the medical benefits of this to schedule it the way they did. But yet you showed up and others had testified that, hey, we're, we're seeing medical benefits of this. Right. We have a state medical program that's got THC in it. And they're going to say that there's no medical benefit to this one isomer, but there is another. That's that seems odd. They don't, they're not concerned really about the science, I think. 
I think that's fair, guys. Uh, and, and one of the, the the most bizarre and frankly stupid question I was asked uh, by by the state. I, I, it was an attorney, uh, either in the AG's office or or uh, the the DHHS. They said, "Has your post listen to this question? Has your post registered for the Texas Compassionate Use Program?" I said, "Well, no, because only individuals can register for that." Because we talked about the Delta 8 machine we had and how, how it benefits us. And, you know, we're selling a legal product. We got a license on the machine, you know, the company that we worked with. And I said, plus, for individuals, it's expensive. And so they didn't even understand what they were talking about. Only individuals can register for the Texas Compassionate Use Program. A post can't. A post is a collective entity. So... And when I answered it, the, the attorney said no further questions. It was like, you guys are, you guys really don't even understand what you're talking about. You don't understand the whole cannabis umbrella policy that we're talking about here. Um, and, and the judge had to have seen that, you know, that was, I mean, it was obvious, like whiskey tango foxtrot. Why would you ask that question? Because you don't understand, you know, what you're, uh, you know, what you're talking about. And, um, like anything else, you know, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't need to eat a whole bottle of gummies, just like they don't need to drink a whole bottle of whiskey yeah. or go drink 36 beers, uh, you know, but anything in excess is not going to be, uh, you know, obviously recommended. Um, and, and, and alcohol has been a curse in our community for, you know, for centuries, you know, to every, since we've existed. Um, so, you know, let's, let's be real. Let's be real about this. But, um, we were we were honored, and I was very pleased. And I, I, what my bosses with the Texas VFW asked me to do was to coordinate with the national office. We were on our own to do it. We didn't need the blessing of the national VFW, but the connection of this is a legislative priority nationally. This is on our national VFW legislative priorities. Study the efficacy of medical cannabis. We our, our leadership have testified before Congress about this. So. We saw the link between, you know, all the whole cannabis policy sort of umbrella. And I put together a little white paper for us internally and said, this makes sense for us. And so we're, we're being asked to weigh in. I think we should. And I was given the green light to do it. And I think especially for our younger veterans, I think it's resonated. And it's, it's helped also demonstrate the relevancy of the VFW, which has been around for 123 years. Texas VFW for a hundred, we needed to step up. And when we do step up, it makes a statement. And we need to acknowledge that and embrace that. Um, and it, uh, you know, our state commander uses the product, you know, he's, he's a Vietnam veteran. So uh, this, this covers multi-generations, you know, both genders. Um, it's just, it's too easy. It just makes, it, it, it makes too much, you know, too much sense. So. And, and and I'm really glad to be in the fight with guys like you too. So we're we're in this together. Alliances, you know, as many voices as, as can possibly be heard. Uh, we're really going to prioritize what our priorities are in the legislative session. Because if you talk too much about too many things, they stop listening to you. I mean, I think everybody understands that in politics and legislative advocacy. You got to be really a tight shot group if you are speaking. You know, we're talking there. Speaking know, of that. <clears throat> Speaking of that, I wanted you to, to list off some of the, um, the elected positions you've had, some of the, the things you've filled, some of the roles you've had, because I think it's important that you would be able to state these things. That way our audience has an understanding right. of how much understanding you have of policy, especially in this state from both city, 
county, the state level. Well, I, I, and, and thank you, Jesse, for asking me about that. And, and uh, the, I, I'm a former mayor pro tem and city council member in Cedar Park, which is a suburb, a North Austin suburb. Uh, I was on the Cedar Park City Council for seven years from 2007 to 2014. Uh, I was proud to be appointed by Governor Rick Perry uh, to a state commission confirmed by the uh, it was a Senate confirmation uh, that the uh, Commission on State Emergency Communications, which uh, allocates, uh, helps allocate uh, and fund 911 infrastructure throughout the state. So I learned a lot about state government with that. The governor of Texas has tremendous power in one sense, and that's the power of appointment. The governor gets 3,000 appointments. So overall, the governor is weak constitutionally compared to other governors of other states. But it's those state agencies that run the state through the the governor's appointments in between legislative sessions. So power is diffused, you know, throughout. And that's a result of the Constitution of 1876 in Texas. So the lieutenant governor has tremendous power, obviously, but controls the state Senate. So gubernatorial appointees have tremendous power back to. Department of State Health Services and and all of that. And I've been involved with a lot of you know community endeavors. I, I think veterans, we should be involved in our community. This hat needs to be in the community. And I take that part very seriously. So I've been elected. I've won elections. I've lost elections. Uh, been appointed, you know, by the governor uh, to, to a state commission. That was a really cool experience. So uh, when I saw what the Department of State Health Services tried to do, I can go, hey, I've sat on a dais as a, as a commissioner of a state agency, as an appointee. This was wrong. You've, you this know was this. not transparent government, you know. So come on. Come you, on. You've been through this rodeo. It's not your first one, yeah. right? Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm, cur- I'm curious, Mitch, if maybe you could share uh, personally, like, maybe don't tell us. You don't have to tell us everything, but what, how, what was your experience with cannabis? Like how, what was your maybe first interaction with understanding how, it, you know, it could be medicine? I, th- I, I really think once I got involved um, with the VFW, actually uh, as, a, as a legislative director and tried Delta 8, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I, I'm not a big believer in pharmaceutical, uh, tried to avoid them. Thankfully, I haven't had, had had to take a lot of them. Uh, right before I went to Iraq, I injured my neck, so I, I got free uh, LASIK eye surgery. Took a Vicodin before that. That was at Fort Hood. But you know, I haven't taken a lot of pharmaceutical. Uh, but as I've gotten older, basic aches and pains. Uh, I took half of a Delta Eight gummy last night, and I slept slept tremendously. I don't do it every night. Um, basic aches and pains. The roll on the topical roll on. Delta A product. It looks like a deodorant, you know, sort of container. My gosh, I mean, just the basic aches and pains we have as we get older. So, um, and I've smoked marijuana. I'll, I'll confess to that too. So I've I've I've, I've partaken I've partaken in that uh, after after I was. I mean, we gosh, if we're on active duty, you know, you're going to get your analysis. You may get it two days in a row. They they're, the army's regardless of the rank. Hey, sir, Captain Fuller, it's your turn. Did I Roger that? You know, go go do what you got to do. Uh, but after I got out, you know, um, and it works, it's natural. It's, you know, and I'm, I'm a native Oklahoma and it's like, really? Oklahoma has full blown medical marijuana. Oh, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, how embarrassing is that? You know, I'm an Oklahoma Sooner alumni too. And I love giving the Longhorns hell. So Boomer Sooner, that's, that's fun to, 
fun to watch that. But uh, I got to Texas. Hey, I'm a Texan, but I'm a hey sooner born, sooner bred. Until I die, I'm sooner dead. So, boomer. Uh, Texas history. It was all. It was all kind of like very, you know, very closely related. Anyway, so well when you look at when you real quick when you look at the T patch, the 36 infantry division, it's a T on top of a an arrowhead. That's a that was that was a combination of the Texas and Oklahoma National Guards after World War One or, or before World War One. So that was the arrowhead represents Oklahoma, the T represents Texas. So the 36th Infantry Division, which has a rich history in World War Two, and now has been all over the world since 9/11, Iraq, Afghanistan, and other places. So I had to I had to remind my native Texans that uh, there's part of Oklahoma on your shoulder there. <laughs> and now Oklahoma has medical marijuana. Wow. And it's, it is, yeah. the I would say, the most robust mm-hmm. medical marijuana program in the country. Mm-hmm. There's more dispensaries there in Oklahoma throughout the state than there are yeah. in Colorado and California combined. Right. We're going to go into our next little sponsor message here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. This week is episode 37. Our guest is Mitch Fuller. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. We will be right back after these sponsor messages. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas, a full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Austinite Cannabis Company is an Austin, Texas, locally owned and family operated producer and seller of handcrafted cannabis products such as CBD, CBG, CBN, and Delta 8 made from hemp in Austin, Texas. Their selection of products includes beauty products, concentrates, edibles, merch, pet supplies, pre-rolls, tinctures, topicals, and accessories. For more information, visit austinitecannabis.co or you can visit their storefront location at 2009 East Cesar Chavez Street in Austin, Texas. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. 
here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 37. Our guest this week is Mitch Fuller, the Texas VFW. How is everybody doing? Back in from that. I like to talk to you guys, man. It's a good tune, man. It's awesome. I tried I, the music selection has been A1. I want I want well, I wanted to keep a theme this week, being as we have vfw on and that every one of these songs has something to do with either battle or war yeah this ain't no party this ain't no disco this ain't no fooling around man i love it good team uh for those who don't know it's talking heads life during wartime yeah and it is um it definitely is very descriptive of life during wartime it is absolutely um you mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier kosovo and for some reason, when I hear this song, that type of like war is what I imagine in my mind. I don't know why. Interesting. interesting. I was there for four days. I was a interesting story. It was December of 2006. Uh, one of the jobs I had in the army, I was an aide de camp to a two star general. So as a captain, uh, you know, all general officers have the joke is you're a horse holder. And so the aide. You know, you carry a bag around with you. And so my two-star general, he was awesome. Vietnam War veteran, really, really great guy. Most generals are pretty cool and laid back. And so we went to Kosovo for the change of command. A Texas Army National Guard unit was finishing its mission uh, and handed it over to a Pennsylvania Army National Guard unit, as I recall. So a lot of VIPs, a lot of European leaders were there. Camp Bond still, winter. Way different than Iraq. So I'd been in Iraq in 2005. So TDY in Kosovo, you know, December of 2006 was snow. And it was bizarre, Jesse, to your point. You saw a lot of, obviously, the, the remnants and result of war and destruction that you always see. You know, I've driven through Fallujah in Iraq and, and seen Iraq. And you can say, yeah, yeah you can see that, that was where that serious battle was fought here recently. Um, and in Kosovo, you saw that. And then it's a brand new, I just remember driving by a brand new glass building and like a half mile up the road or down, you know, from where we came from was total destruction. So talking head song, that's really cool. I'm I'm with you. It's war is uh, bizarre and surreal. And the results of it, when you see them are definitely for sure. What would you say is, um, as a, as a veteran has been one of the more difficult things or say you, you've seen with veterans with the VFW with them trying to get into the state's medical program. God, why, why is it so hard? You know, let, let's not let's not overthink this. Um, suicide. I mean, we we all know all three of us. We all know way 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 too many personally directly that we've lost to suicide. 
And this, frankly, and I don't want to be tried, this is about saving lives. It absolutely is about saving lives. And let's not screw around with it. And it's an expensive proposition. It's not covered by insurance. You know, we're into well, what happens to your VA benefits. You know, there's all sorts of second and third order effects if you get access to it. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Jesse David Bass, who uh, and, and Jack's team, you know, all the Texas normal people who've been fighting this fight. And the VFW is a little late, frankly, to the game. And I wish we'd gotten in it sooner, but I'm proud that we're in the fight now. We should have got more directly involved sooner. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but we're in it. It's just hard to watch uh, somebody in a pharmaceutical fog. Jesse, to answer your question, I mean, it, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, and there's too many damn stories about it. Um, and we, and we, somebody's and we, making a lot of money, a lot of money. I'd say as, <laughs> you know, a, the as con- a veteran. The government contracts, you know, right. I'd say as a veteran, one of the things I've that's been difficult for me now that we have the program, like I've gotten into myself is being able to educate other veterans that you mentioned that there's the issue where what's going to happen to my benefits and the VA changed the the law changed in the last couple of years about how they could not, the VA could not deny a veteran benefits because of cannabis usage, but that hasn't really stopped providers from still uttering the line of it. Well, if you pop on your analysis test, it must be cannabis abuse because it's not federally legal. It's like we've, right. we've had a hemp program for three years now, putting right. THC in your system is legal and it's going to show up. So there's veterans, I get it. They're worried. They're worried their doctor's just going to flip out on them, take away other things that are working for them. And Second Amendment, amendment issues also. Attended. You're right, right. Second Amendment. Absolutely. And Texas, awesome. sits, Absolutely. In a, Texas sits in a weird mm-hmm. line with that because the last I heard, the Department of Public Safety was going, well, we believe that our, our state's medical program falls within the federal guideline that would allow them to keep having their firearms. The only way I could imagine that being so is if they honestly believe our state's compassionate use program is an actual federal compassionate use program. It would be federal right to try laws. It's the only way I can imagine that's being able to wait to keep your firearms. So I've, I've personally have used that as my thing with the VA of saying, Hey, I'm, I'm in a federally compassionate use program. What I'm doing is federally legal. And they're like, no, you, you're not sure. And I'm like, well, my state has made that claim implicitly. So right. I it's stay, I stay within the law with what we do. Worst case scenario, it's still schedule one status and, and yeah. no, no, no medical program technically should exist under that right to you serve, you know, or not, unfortunately. Well, and the other part, big picture wise guys is, is, um, it's frustrating to watch the VA themselves testify before Congress, which I, which is, you know, I can point to hearings this year during this Congress where the, the questions asked by congressmen um, about medical cannabis. And, and you see the VA dance a little bit and go, well, we're waiting on the science. And, we, you know, so we know what the science is. The VA does, too. So the VA is resistant to this in some ways. The whole bureaucracy is because they're all just kicking it back to one another, right? Like VA mm-hmm. is kicking it to the FDA, FDA is kicking it to the DEA, DEA is kicking it to the ATF, and like, right. oh, and then at the end, they're like, oh, well, go talk to Congress. And it's just this one vicious cycle back and forth that it just we have to get, you know, move past it and, and call a spade a spade. You know, this is, we should have done this 10 years ago. And this, this last no, year, no, no. this last year, I'm pretty sure the VA 
talking about them testifying, they went as far as saying that like, well, we're waiting on the science. And they were asked, well, are you willing to do the science? And they're like, no, we don't want to do that either. Right. It's, it's just easier. It's easier to prescribe pills. I mean, that's just been the default mechanism for decades with, uh, you know, with this. And so, you know, we've got to keep putting, we got to keep putting pressure, you know, pressure on uh, at the federal level. So, because you're right, once this gets, once federalism and the constitution comes in and states rights and, you know, every state's got a right to do what they want. That was the whole legal basis for what the uh, DSHS tried to do to make Delta eight illegal through the administrative rule process. That was their point. We don't care what the 2018 federal farm bill said. We don't care that hemp was removed from the federal, you know, from the controlled substance act at the federal level. And then, you know, Texas at, and he's right legally, the strict interpretation of the law, that's correct in one sense, but it was, it's, 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 it's a BS argument. Um, it wasn't done in a transparent manner. It was totally flawed in terms of transparent government, sunshine, open meetings, eight minute meeting, you know, all, all of that stuff. When you look at that, when you look at the lawsuit, uh, and then like we, like we referenced earlier, the, the, the idiotic question that I was asked about the compassionate use program in my post registering for it, but the VA has got to get out front of this and, and make this, you know, get serious about this at the federal level. Um, but Texas has also got to look to the north at Oklahoma, you know, like we talked about. And so or that's oh. <laughs> wow. or Louisiana or, 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 you know, yeah. And, 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 and by the way, guys, the VFW, we, we are not prepared to go full legalization. We're not we're not there yet. And, and so, we're, you know, we're not going to I've got my personal views on that. Uh, but in terms of the, of the VFW and what we're advocating for, it's the expansion of the Texas Compassion Use Program, medical marijuana regulated access to it and that for civilians too by the way because yeah. the first the first step i can't remember what it was for it was for a, it was for a pediatric um function i think a few years uh, the, ago the original the original qualifying condition for tico yes it was intractable epilepsy there you go Ep- epilepsy thank you thank you so for for the for not just our population not just the veteran population but ch- children civilian you know the non-veteran civilian civilian sector i mean it's been proven so if it's helping children, it's helping veterans, uh, you know, let's let's keep this, you know, keep this rolling, keep this rolling forward. And just and what pills, what pharmaceutical debilitating the farm, the, the mental psychological fog, but what it does to your body. I mean, we've all talked to veterans who finally got off of the damn pills they were on. It's like, man, I can walk again. I can stand up straight. I can think straight. I can see. Uh, I had a guy that's uh, with the Grunt Style Foundation. Uh, who uh, I forget what's it was one of the it was an alternative treatment it was not um, I can't remember what it was but he was completely out of his pharmaceutical fog and he showed me pictures of before and after and it's like you look younger you're clear it's like your your eyes are clear you, you can actually see the fog you can literally see it on the faces of our brothers and sisters that are in that fog you're in that pill they're high they're they're they're, they're you know it's it's sucked the life out of them um, and, uh, th- th- it was like, well, this is amazing. You know? So it's my gosh, sleeping, anxiety, all of it, it, it works. And we just got to keep, you know, keep pushing this and really, really target what it is that we want in the legislative session. Because I, you know, again, there's enough license plates. Uh, we don't need to meet free no. tolls. 
mean, anymore. All that now. does is it just clouds. It just clouds what we need to be focusing on: jobs, transition, mental health, integration. We think there, yeah, we think there should be two more state veteran cemeteries. I mean, there, there's, you know, again, that hearing at the Senate, and I would encourage y'all to do that in your audience. Go back and watch that um, hearing of the Texas, uh, the, the Texas Senate Veterans Affairs Committee last week on May 3rd. It was it was a tremendously valuable hearing. Um, you know, uh, veterans employment, uh, the mental health stuff, mental health training for law enforcement. There's a lot of veterans that are in law enforcement themselves and responding to calls that may involve, you know, involve veterans. And uh, so we're, we're really going to be we, we're going to have a tight shot group on what we're going to focus on uh, in Texas. Uh, and medical cannabis is at the top of the list. It is. So, I mean, that's that's easy for us. So we're going to really start you know, getting, getting prepared for the next session. And, and you, you guys will see me up there, see more of our hats up there. And by the way, if y'all are eligible for the VFW, we'd love to have you. Unfortunately, VFW. I am, I'd say, unfortunately I am not, I never went to a foreign hostile zone and I was never given imminent danger pay. I hung around a nuclear reactor all the time. So well, that's imminently dangerous. Damn. <laughs> You'd think <Okay>. so. <laughs> You'd think so. They were like, Nope, we'll give you a hazard duty pay. That's the best. It's like those pawn shop guys. That's, story, that's yeah, the I, best I we can do for you. Join, join the Legion. You know, the, their strength in numbers. I'll tell you another good group that doesn't have post, but it's, it, it's an, it's an organization. There's 42 veteran service organizations that are working together on our toxic exposure, the PACT Act, like I've been talking about Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America. Disabled American veterans. I mean, there's a lot of great VSOs out there that, and a lot of us are members of, of, of multiple, you know, the big and, six. And I'm you glad know. you bring that up, the, especially the toxic exposure. And it's not, for me, it's not so much about hanging around the nuclear reactor. It's that I was in a shipyard that was basically right down the street from a giant slag heap, like there giant coal pile. And it's like, right. What in the world? So, um, yeah. And as no, I say, no what the hell you breathe in, Jesse? I don't want to My God, get, no, get, get your final that. thoughts for the end of the episode here as we wrap up. If there's you want to plug anything from the VFW for here at Texas or nationally. I just think get call Senator Cornyn and call Senator Cruz and tell them to pass H.R. thirty nine sixty seven, the PACT Act. We need them. We got to get 10 Republicans in the U.S. Senators, 100 senators, uh, you know, half the Senate's on board. This is primarily uh, mostly Democrats who voted for it. And I'm not making a political statement. We will work with anybody, uh, both sides of the aisle, but we need Senator Cornyn and Senator Cruz to, uh, to get this done. It's important. Well, we thank you for your time here joining us. And you, yeah. you, you, have got so much going on. You're a very, I know you're a very busy man, especially with your background working with the VFW. Cause I know the time I've spent with some of the DAV chapters, it's, you get insanely busy with just even just trying to help people out on basic things. Right. So we appreciate that you took the time out to join us today. Anytime, Jesse, you got, this is awesome. I've really, really enjoyed this. And, and I love talking policy with veterans, man. This is awesome. Love it. All righty. Well, we are going to wrap it up here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 37. Our guest was Mitch Fuller. You can always find more at texascanico.com. The VFW, VFW.org, if you're looking to find out information about where a post is at near you, or if you're even eligible, you can go, there's a link right there as you, you click on the page. You can do it by your DD-214 if you're a veteran. It'll tell you, if, like we mentioned, imminent danger pay, or if you have a specific combat service ribbon, it's on your record. 
gets you eligibility, honorable discharge. As long as you have an honorable discharge with it, you're set. So that's going to wrap it up for this week here at the Lone Star Collective. We thank you for joining us. We hope you join us again next week. Everybody enjoy your week. Yeah, they come to snuff the rooster.